Hello, welcome to your new podcast.、Uh, this is Dr. Alex Jones, and tonight we're going to talk about leadership in the healthcare industry. I would like to introduce to you Dr. Amal Toon, over 15 years of experience in the field. Dr. Amal, welcome to the podcast. Hello, good evening. Good Thank evening. you, Dr. Alex. Good evening to you.、Um, Why don't you tell us who is Dr. Amal?、Uh, my name is Dr. Amal Batoun.、Um, I have more than 15 years' experience in the healthcare sector in the Emirates of、uh, Abu Dhabi. I did most of my training here in the UAE and、um, the local residency program. Then I had the pleasure of、uh, doing masters、uh, in gastroenterology in the UK. I came back and、um, I worked as、uh, Uh, licensed、uh, gastroenterologist, and also、um, I was licensed as a consultant in internal medicine. Wow, such a, an amazing profile! And I gotta tell you,、uh, okay. congratulations for this wonderful accomplishment. Thank you.、Um, as a leader in the industry, you've seen a lot handling employees, to patients, to regular clients. Who are accompanying patients? There are always two sides of the coin. What does leadership mean to you, as Dr. Amal? In the beginning, when I started working as a physician, I thought that my primary role was to take care of my patient. Then, with experience, I noticed that、um, the minute they hand you over your degree, you are a leader. You're going to lead.、Um, you're going to lead in the clinic. You're gonna lead in the ward. You're gonna organize, and you're gonna lead. Whether like they tell you that straight on, or they don't. So I learned on the job how to be a leader. I'll give you an example. Let's say if we have an emergency case, the physicians are the leaders. So I have to lead a team of expertise of team, and they don't all of them have to be physicians. So I have health elite. I have nursing. Um, I, I have、uh, sometimes I have to coordinate and I have to make the team work together and function together. So I learned on the spot kind of thing, and I noticed that as a physician, you are a leader, whether you realize it or you don't realize it. So I think it comes hand in hand. So I, I could not separate them, and you build from there. You learn your strength, and you see where your weaknesses are, and you build on that, and you try and make it work. Um, and and that's how I started, and that's how I can make the connection between leadership and healthcare. Do you believe in learning as you go? I think there's a learning curve as you go, but having said that,、um, you need the formal learning.、Um, learning as you go, you might learn、uh, the old ways. You might learn from your seniors. You might uh, improvise uh, on the situation. But that it's not going to save you every time, and for, from health point care of point, health healthcare point of view,、uh, lives are at stake. So I have somebody's life. They trusted me. They come, and they hand me over their life or their loved one's life. So just like you know, going with the flow and practicing on the spot、uh, might be necessary at times, but it's not the best way. So knowledge. Will will give you that edge. It will give you that power to know what's the right thing to do. Because sometimes they hand you the reins and they tell you, "I trust you. You're going to make the right decision. You make the right decision for the family or for the patient." So, as a patient advocate,、um, knowledge is 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 power, and I'm 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 always like you know I believe in that. And now even so more after the COVID nineteen pandemic. Yes, I think we need we need more leaders in the healthcare. Trust. That's what got my attention right now, and I'm listening to you. You're right. Patients trust you.、Um, families trust you with their patients, and with loved ones.、Um, employees trust you. How do you gain trust? Um, for me, it's a very simple formula.、Um, I have to have the patient's best interest at heart, because I, I, like you know, I swore an oath that I will look after them, 
and I will give them the best advice that I can give with whatever we have. Along with knowing that we practice best, uh, like you know, practices like you know, evidence-based medicine, evidence-based. It's not something that I came up with. It's something that's proven, and it's the best that's out there. So let this patient, let's say, if he was in the U.S. or he was in Europe, he will get the same treatment and he will get the same opinion. So patients know that, and I know that. So that's automatically make them on board. They trust what I will tell them. Then comes the best scenario for the patient. So we tell them that this is the best scenario that works for you. This is what's out there. And autonomy, actually, because it's very, one of the things that made me go to medicine, I wanted to help. I thought that the, the worst thing that could happen to somebody, it's them losing autonomy over their own body and becoming weak. And they cannot make things for themselves. And, and that responsibility falls on me as a physician. So I give the autonomy back to them and I tell them, yes, you're sick, you're not well, I'm here to take care of you, but I will be with you every step of the way and I'll help you make these decisions. But I don't wanna take autonomy away from them. I don't wanna reduce them to nothing. I want them to understand it's still their life and they can make decisions. And I will tell them what's the best for them, but I will respect their decision. Because having said that, sometimes patients choose not to, to go on with the treatment. And that's okay. That's fine. That's their decision. And I'm here to support them. I'm not against you. I'm team patient. So this is what I tell the family. This is what I tell the team. This is what I tell my patient. I'm team patient. So if your family are against you, I'm with you. If they are with you, I am with you. So I'm always team patient. Do you think we have issues in leadership in the healthcare industry? I think every industry suffers and I think leadership was not, the, it, we did not get the attention, enough attention when it comes to leaders and leadership. Because we, we think that if you go to medical school and you're good and you learn and you get your degree and you do your training, you become a leader by, by default, like we spoke earlier. But having said that, COVID-19 showed us by example, that we need more leaders because it took us by surprise. We needed to quickly organize our forces. We need to understand where we stand. We, need, we needed to understand what to do, who to mobilize, which clinic to close, um, how to rearrange the hospital and change the outlet, the inlet. How, how do we get into the hospital? Where do we get out? Which areas are clean, COVID clean? Which areas are COVID contaminated and we're not gonna use them for non-COVID patient? How to do all of that? And that's, nobody teach you that in medical school, whether we like it or not. Wow. So we needed, this showed us actually that there are defects. We do have defect area and we need to invest more in leaders in healthcare. So I'm listening to you and you're saying None of that leadership aspects has been taught, is being taught at schools, at the medical schools. And to me, when I'm hearing this, this is like a disaster. Um, what is it needed, in your opinion, for our education system in the healthcare industry, in the medical field, in the medical schools, um, at least to integrate moving forward? I would think um, a, a clear understanding of your role as a physician, it's not only to treat the patient and then you go away because if we teach them how to lead within their unit, within their department, within their uh, bigger like you know, divisions, it, it makes them do better and function better because if I am leading within my clinic and my department, I can know that this is not working for the clinic scope of practice we need to improve and you reach that and you come into that if you have the enlightenment like if you have the understanding of what leadership means what changing things and and challenging the status quo means because usually for us it's like um, you just have to follow like you know you've been appointed this and you do this and this is how we do it and this is the best way of doing it but sometimes maybe there's a better way of doing it so that mind shift we need that because corona just showed us that we're not doing medicine the way it, it used to be done it's a 
we started doing tele uh, consultation we started um, uh, having a video conference with the patient because at the beginning it was high risk and we could not see all the patient and that would ex increase the exposure of healthcare providers to COVID cases. So people with milder cases, we fixed cameras in their rooms and we would talk to them through the camera. And that was a no-no, but we did that. We had to improvise. We had to learn on the job. And we thought always that healthcare is a stable sector. No, change is inevitable everything changes and we were not ready for that change and we have to rush through it but now we are in a good place where we can just be ready and prepared for change so that we don't take him by surprise and, and then we can do better for our community for our people for everybody for ourselves also like you know because a lot of people in the healthcare were exhausted we were burned we had a lot of people who like really crashed after the COVID finished because it was very exhausting, it was very tiring. We had to work around the clock. We had to see a lot of things unfold in front of our own eyes. We, get, we did get a lot of support, but having said that, we were not ready. And when you're not ready, it's even worse. And I, I gotta thank you for all of the service that you have done yourself and your colleagues and healthcare industry, you have sacrificed a lot and you were the front line warriors to be honest and till now I still look at you guys as the front line warriors because we're not over yet through all of what's going on. Um, so I'm hearing you talking about leadership, mind shift uh, and change. Yes. Do you think doctors have an ego a huge ego wow um, you have to understand um, some things comes with its own um, demons like you know so ego comes with that when you know that you have control of somebody's life if you don't have that much knowledge that this control is is not a control actually it's a responsibility um, it's an honor it's, it's, you have to wear it with, like, you know, with so much caution and handle it with care. Um, it might easily change into an ego and make you think that I can do, or I, I know what's best and take the autonomy again from the patient and make them hopeless and useless. Like, you know, they're already being beaten once by the disease and then you come and, and you add into that. And, and that's not what medicine is about. It's about empowering them. I remember one of my uh, senior colleagues, a Scottish uh, doctor, he said that when you talk to the patient, don't stand and talk to the patient while they lie on their bed, because that's, it, it just makes them feel hopeless. And, and, and then you come from, from power position, like you know, just standing over them, looking over them. So he said, anytime you enter a room, grab a chair, tell them, can I sit and sit close at the same level of the patient? And then you talk and you discuss and you tell them, this is what we have. This is what we came up with. What do you think? Do you have any questions? Is there anything I can help you with? Do you want me to call a family or a loved one or a friend? Do you need support? What is it that we can do to make you feel better today? Other than the medicine, other than the treatment, that it's a given, but what can I do? Do you need a book? Do you need something? Can I give you something? Can I get you something that's gonna make you feel better? Do you want a room with a view? With a, like, you know, gardening view or something. Some, some people are staying for the long haul. So why give them, like, simple things that makes you really change the game, shift a little bit, and not take empathy and, and humanity out of the whole thing. So talking about ego and talking about humanity, um, talking about humility, yet I'm seeing some doctors, they really have a huge ego and especially when it comes to a family of a patient trying to educate a doctor about what they're doing. I understand that you guys worked really hard to get
get the knowledge and I'm sure you're in a continuous mode all the time. Um, so how do you handle uh, a family of a patient that's trying to educate you with knowledge and an ego is on the side here? I always encourage family to be part of their conversation. That's a given because if you want to win the patient and you want to be team patient, you cannot separate them from their family. That's a given. End of the story. Um, and at the same time, we do not get entangled in family issues. So we let them solve their issues. So we have separation. If you have family issues, if you have things to work through as a family, which is normal in all families, that's fine. But when it comes to your health care, you need to trust me that I will give you the best advice. And if it's not with me, if it doesn't rest with me, I will look for the next best person and I'll guide you and I'll direct you to that. And I need the family and I need the patient to agree at least on that part of the health care plan. The rest they can just disagree or agree, that's fine, that's okay. But we need to agree on that part. As long as we don't have an agreement and we don't have a trust, it's very hard to move from there. It becomes a battle. It becomes like every day you get challenged, every day you get challenged. It doesn't matter if you're doing right or wrong, it becomes a continuous challenge. So early on, we, we, we win. That the, the equation here is like win the patient, win the family, team patient, and you're a team player with them. You're not two teams playing against each other. So we're one team. So when they tell me something, I, I hear you, yes, because people need to feel like they've been heard. Their concerns are being addressed and they're real. You can't just, like, you know, sometimes they, like, in all honesty, they have very simple concerns. Like, you know, they don't like the linen, they don't like the room, they don't like, which is okay which is, it's not something that I can deal with, like, you know, as a physician, but I understand that it, it bothers them. So I say, okay, I'll see what I can do, and we'll look into it. And yes, I hear you. And that word works like magic. When you tell people, I hear you, they feel like, they have like stars in their eyes, and they go like, oh my God, she said, she heard me. And, and that's all what it takes. Yes, I hear you, I hear your pain. You're absolutely right, I understand. And then you give them the next one. Then it's, it's a give and take kind of relationship. And it works every time, at least for me. I don't know about others, but it did work for me. So according to your wonderful experience in the field, really over 15 years of experience, and that's a time, and you're an expert in the field. That's how I call you, that's how I see you. Um, if you look at the medical field right now and if you are to diagnose some challenging issues when it comes to leadership aspect what would that be i think the uh, the most important thing is um, it's empowering each other um, i think as physicians we don't empower each other enough and we don't empower other healthcare elite, for example, nursing and um, healthcare elite, because they might surprise you. They might come up with the brilliant ideas. They might be the answers to all our prayers. And, and we don't know because we're thinking that some, some other guy from outside, some expert, some consultant is gonna come and give us the, the magic solution or the magic answer. And it's just right there because they live that they do it every day and if there is an issue they are the best people to know how to solve this issue but they just need to be trusted and empowered um trust and empowerment yes. these are two powerful words how do you do it for me um i i try at least to to trust my team because if I don't trust my team um, there's no way I can get anything done I cannot get through the day it becomes very challenging and it becomes very very hard and empowerment is um, when I tell them that I know you can do this job and I just look away and I really show them that I know that you're gonna deliver on this job 
100%. I, and they never failed me. I've never given a job to somebody full-heartedly believing that they're going to deliver and they failed me. They always deliver. They always deliver. Even the nurses, they always deliver. When I tell them, like, I know you can do it. I have trust in you. And off I go. And I manage something else. I come back and the request has been done. It's been sorted out, emailed, issues, finish, dealt with. Trust, empowerment, trust your team. That's wonderful. Sounds like music to my ears. Um, bureaucracies in the healthcare industry, how do you handle that? Well, that's it's a given because it's an old industry. It's not have changed, but nowadays I, I see a lot of programs um, directed towards healthcare, like, you know, um, CEO for healthcare, and, and people are paying more attention. Universities, Ivy League universities, are paying attention into that. So there's a lot of programs now that are dedicated towards. Um, we have to understand this is a sector that um, like billion of dollars, like a lot of money goes into that, whether we like it or not. Um, so you want somebody who knows what they're dealing with. You want somebody who's capable of really leading because we take that word very like fluidly, leader, but not every leader is a leader. Maybe they're leading, but they're not a leader. So why not give them a fair chance and actually educate them and spend the time and the effort because it's it's going to pay back it's it's going to come back with with much more processes will improve policies that actually are, are outdated will will be challenged in right time and they get changed and things improve from there and then we, we start spending less money maybe at some point and everybody wins so if we spend that much time teaching them, making them learn, and making them understand that you are actually who, the, the powerhouse behind this, it makes all the difference. Because this is the only thing that made us actually go through COVID. Power was giving back to the employees, and we drove. And we, we got the nation out of wherever. Okay, we had a good direction, we had good, clear direction from the government and from the ministry and everything but when it comes to actually implementing we were just changing day by day because not everything actually was working so we were saying no let's do this let's do this let's correct this and we were correcting the course and we were correcting and we're going back and we're like no it needs further correction correct the course correct. and this we kept doing that until we until it finished and and that's that it, it showed us that it's not enough to have leaders on the top. It has to be all through and through. Everybody is a leader in their own post. Even even like Blinko, the people who are cleaning the hospital, they were leaders because they need to understand very quickly that this has to be sorted. Like, you know, the waste, everything. Like, you know, it has to be dealt in a different level. It's not the normal level that we were dealing with things. And they had to up their game. So everybody needed that. And that was helpful. Like, you know, we learned, I felt like a soldier in a battlefield, but it was very exhausting. It was like, you know, sucks the life out of you. It makes you like very tired. But training helps because then you're prepared, you're calm. You know, the storm is coming, there's calmness because you know, I can handle it. I have a few tricks up my sleeve, I know. It's okay, we're not gonna fall. I got this, it's okay. And even if somebody throws a curveball, I know how to deal with that. But we were like, <laughs> things were coming right and left and up and down and we were just trying, we were playing chase. We were trying and it, that, that's exhausting. That was very tiring, very exhausting. There's uh, very little information at the beginning of the pandemic about what is it that we're dealing with? What's the extent? Um, for us, we're knowledge people. So we always go back and read, but there was nothing to read. Who knew what, what was COVID-19? We didn't know. And that was, and I had to have 
like you don't have to have confidence and put up that face and go and treat and, and deal and, and, and break bad news and give good news and, and, and talk to people overseas about their loved ones and, and tell them that they're doing so and so and, 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 and go back home and try and be normal and come back and do it again and again and again and again and again. So that was a big learning for me. Sounds like uh, it's, a, it's a learning curve, but it was the uh, hard lesson that we needed to learn the hard way. And it wasn't easy for you, it wasn't easy for families, it wasn't easy for everybody. And the frontliners, uh, you guys are the heroes. Um, I heard you talking about training. What do you think the healthcare industry needs and what kind of training? In my um, opinion, I think we need more leaders at every aspect. Like, like for us, leaders are, are like a rank. So people actually, um, the more they go with their clinical uh, degrees and certificate, they, they naturally get promoted into a leader position regardless of their um, readiness, if they're ready or they're not ready. Not everybody can be a leader, not everybody is prepared to be a leader. And then they, they discover that actually this is not medicine, it's managing people. Because leadership is managing people and that's different. Because you're not managing people who are sick, who need you to tell them what they have and what kind of medicine they need and what they need to do and which procedure needs to be done, at what time and how is it going to be done. That's not it. You have to manage people and not any people. Highly intellectual, very smart people. And that's the hardest thing, in my opinion, I think. It's very hard. One of the hardest things is to lead intelligent people because you need to understand that they are very smart. They're very intelligent. They're gonna challenge you every step of the way. You have to be ready. You have to be ready and you have to be trained. Because this is how I used to feel sitting in a meeting and being told do this and that and I'm like, but that's not the best way of doing it. There's another way. Because I know this is what I do every single day. This is my job. I know, I know there's a better way. You're telling me that, okay, but I know that there's another way. Faster, cheaper, easier. So you have to understand that and switch from the role of, I am telling you do so, which is the traditional role, into, why don't you tell me? What do you think? Wow. That's, that's mind-blowing for me. Somebody tells another human being, what do you think? You do this. Where should we go from here? What should be the next step? Convince me. Tell me. Let's have, let's have a talk. That, that's, for me, that's empowerment. And not every time that, you know, you have to, it has to come with a label or incentive or some recognition. That, it's, in itself, it's a recognition of your knowledge and empowerment and letting you know that I know you know and I trust you that you will get the job done. That's the buy-in. <laughs> you buy them in that way. You recruit them, they become your team, you gain. I liked the concept of the buying that you mentioned and it's a lot of people really not knowing about it and or just ignore it, as simple as it gets. That's how you get your team on board. Now, do you think what is happening right now is less of asking you as a doctor and expert in the field what do you think of so-and-so and tell me your opinion and it's what's happening is well do this do that do this do this which is more of an authoritarian leadership rather than actually a participative leadership like team leadership style is that what you're saying yes this is more likely like orders usually comes like we're gonna do this we're gonna do this we're gonna do this and end of the story and I don't even mind that. That's the one way of doing things, which is okay and fine. But if we do that and we find that it's not working, 
it's not working for us, it's not working for this team, it's not working for this department, it's not working, the process is not working. We need to have the courage and the power to understand that it might work or it might not work. So if it works, well and good. Round of applause for everybody and good. Let's improve the process. If it doesn't work, we should not shy away from admitting it's fine, it's okay, it doesn't work. So then what should we do? Where's the way out? What is the answer to, because that's, there, there is 50-50 chance with everything. It might work, it might not work, like medicine, despite everything. So you, we have to be, we, we need to be prepared for the, the other shoe when it drops. Like, you know, if, if that's not working, then what should we do? Very easy, very simple, very cheap solution is to give the people the chance to, to make it work. So we came up with this idea, it didn't work. Now we want you to come up with a solution as a person who's doing this job. I want to comment on this before we really move to the next question is that what, why do you think it's more of the direct orders is happening and less of team leadership style is asking you what, what, what do you think is the reason so we know exactly what's happening but why do you think it's what's happening is happening I think it's just the way things are being it's always been like that T tell, tell me more about that what, what do you mean this been always what, what, Most of organizations. New, new era. I'm yes. assuming that yes. there's something new that we're all embracing the concept of asking you as an expert. Because if I come in as a CEO, I should I should really embrace your expertise. But yet, what you're telling me is this is not what's happening. Is that correct? Yes. What, because why, why? Um, I don't have the answers to why is this is why this is not implemented, why this is not happening. But in reality, most of the time in most of the organizations, it comes from the top down. And there's a flow of information because in all reality, like for the top people to make the decision, they need information. And where does the information comes from? It comes from the middle and the bottom, right? So if I'm giving you an information, if I'm giving you something as a top management, in my mind, it makes no, like it makes perfect sense, then I will, then they know what they're talking about. They know how to fix the problem. And like I said, it's cheap, easy solution. We don't need to bring somebody from outside the organization to have a look because we have the solution. It's within the organization. But are we willing to take that hard look inside and be like an organization that's like 4,000, 5,000 employee should be able to take care of itself. It, 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 it was running for that long. It, it was there from 10 years or five years or 15 years or whatever number of years. So they're doing something right. Let's give them that. If a challenge comes, why don't we give them a chance before we say, oh no, we know better. Or let's call the expert. But they are the experts, because they're doing this every single day. So who's more expert than them? I don't understand this expertise game, because it's very clear to me. If a nurse has been working as a clinic nurse, she's the expert at running the clinic nurse. Like, you know, as a nurse, she is the expert. She knows what to do, when to do, how to do it, and how to arrange for everything, how many rooms we need, what we need, everything. I should not bring somebody from outside to tell her how to manage her clinic. That's actually been, she's been doing her so-and-so. And information, sharing information, it's very important. Not only KPIs and, and productivity, no, real information. We're going in this direction. We want to do this. The goal is this, the buy-in. Tell me what's the vision. Convince me, and then you'll see. 
When we have a common vision, me and you, we're going in the same direction. Travel becomes very easy. We travel very smoothly. We go through it. Even if there's bumps along the road, it's fine. We go up and then we come down and we go up and we come down. But if I don't know where we're going to, because the game has been changed, COVID changed the game. It was, aha, got you, game changer. What are we going to do? We cannot go back to pre-COVID. No. And this is what everybody wanted. They just wanted to go back to pre-COVID. That's not going to work, guys. That time is done. Finish. We should be thinking about virtual hospitals, virtual clinics. We should be moving with time. Instead of just going back and up. Business as usual. This is what we, the first thing that we wanted to do is just business as usual. But business is not as usual. That finished. The end. Bye. New page. So I think we lack that. Like we, we missed that train. That's why we keep having like bumps around the road because we need to catch that. We need to see where we're going and, and align that with the vision and, and mission and the goals and everything and then put everybody on board and empower people, give them the tools, the training, whatever they need. Give them that. Because I want them to, to achieve whatever, like it's, it's not a game where I want them to fail and be like, I told you so, that's not the aim. Because there's a lot of money, there's a lot of, um, there's people's life. There's a lot at stake. So we want them to win. I want my nurses to win. I want my health idiot to win. I want to win. I want my seniors to win. I want my juniors to win. We all want to win. And God's will, if everything works out, fine. If it doesn't, then we tried. And, and we tried and we tried and, and then we tried 100 times and it didn't work and it's fine. We tried. We really, really tried. And next time we correct the course, we review whatever we did, where did we go wrong? We could have done some adjustment here and there. And there is nothing wrong with that. It's okay. It's not pointing fingers. It's not saying you or, or me or them versus us. No, it's just as a process. We did this, we dropped the ball. Next time, what can we do to minimize the time? To make it faster, to make it safer, to make it better. What can we do? Where is it? Where was the place that we missed? There was a gap. Where was it? Ah, okay. How can we fix it? Solutions. Just try this, this and this. This works, we fly with this. If it doesn't work, we correct the course. Just like any other organization, because this is healthcare is a business, whether we like it or not. It is a business. And we have to run it like that. Not only from KPI and productivity point of view, but as actually a business that you want it. We want this business to succeed. Because in every government, two sectors, you should not compromise. Healthcare, education. These two sectors are very, very dangerous. You have to get them right. The rest can wait, but we need to get these two right. Because you need to take care of people's health and their education. Then you're gonna have the next generation. They're healthy, they're educated. What more can I ask for? You tell me. I have it all. We have everything. We got it. We nailed it. Tick. Um, you're absolutely right. Healthcare and education are the two critical uh, industries that really needs a lot of care and attention. And when I'm talking about a lot of care and attention, basically we need to take care of the industry, we need to take care of the leaders who are running it, we need to take care of the managers, we need to take care of the employees from A to Z. Um, I believe that you qualified as a leader in leadership position, especially that you're carrying a master of science in leadership and organizational development, in addition to all of your qualifications as a doctor. Um, knowledge, expertise, experience as an expert in the field, and now you added another thing in leadership. Let's talk about 
Dr. Amal as a CEO appointed as of now. If you're a CEO in a specific hospital or chain of hospitals, what would you do differently? What I would do differently? Um, first, I'll try and understand how business is being conducted on a daily basis. This is, this is number one. Um, then after that, I need to understand who are the key players. Because every game has key players. Then if we have any issues, what are the issues? Put them in orders. What's more urgent? Uh, what can wait? What cannot wait? What's not an issue? It's just something that we can deal with on time. Or is this a real issue or is it because of it's the consequences of group of actions? So if we fix these actions or if we work on that process, this goes away. Because we need to know that. Not only as a CEO, even like as somebody who works in the healthcare, I need to understand when I go to my clinic, when I go to, I need to understand where is the problem. Do we have a problem? Identify. What is the problem? Where is it coming from? Is it like one direction? Is it like because, is it two direction? Is it because we don't have um, good teamwork? Does it have to do with empowerment? Does it have to do with trust? Do we have a team? And address it accordingly. Because sometimes you just need to stop everything and gain the team and bring the team back. And leadership is different. Like now that I'm studying this master, I understand that you need to be fluid. Sometimes you need transformational. Sometimes you need servants at some point. Sometimes you need coaching. So it depends on, you have to be able to be a chameleon and change and see where you're organized because every organization has a life cycle. So you need to understand that life cycle. Where, where are we at? Are we at maturity? Are we still, do we have new thing? What is going on? Where are we? Like a product, like you know in the business, like you know you have a product that has a cycle. You will not give it the same attention, like you know different things, like you know, let's say like, I have clinics and I have inpatient and I have outpatients and I have uh, um, OR. What is my star player? Like who are my star players? Who should I like, you know, put my weight behind? Have plan for the other people, but now we need to pay attention to this and then this will fix this. This will bring this, this will bring. And this solves the whole issue of KPIs and productivity and revenue and, and all of that. In my humble opinion, I, I, I've never been a CEO, but this is how I would tackle it. This is how I will think about it. And then you need, you need real people on like, not just only top management people, you need to actually know what goes on on, on. on a cellular level at the beginning, you need to understand how does the OR operates? How does the, um, the, who runs it? How do we book? What do we book? What brings more value to us? and take it from there. And, and that's what we should do. And invest if we need an expert in this field, then we bring an expert in that field. And then not only an expert, I don't want somebody who comes just to make money and go. I need somebody that who knows, he or she, they know in their contract, they need to train. So by the end, five years, their contract finishes, I need to have two or three experts coming out from like, you know, shadowing you and, and, and learning the tricks from you. And that's how, I, that's how we get bigger and better. Because I can't just export expertise. I can't just keep doing that. We need to build our own. Whether they're Emiratis, locals, or expats who live here and have equal rights. So I need that. And I've not seen that. People come, oh, we have XYZ expert. He's expert in so and so and so. He's the only one who can do it. If he goes missing one day, sick leave, then who's gonna be, who's, who's gonna run the show? And he's a human being, they can't go missing. They, 
They might have family emergency, they might have something going on. So I need that. You're expert? Brilliant. Amazing. How long would it take you to give me two to three experts at your level or like closer to your level? Can you give me that, sir? Ma'am? And we have a deal. So you're tapping into the technical skills. And yes. Let's say as a CEO, you're doing great. But what about the leadership skills, the soft skills? And you're a CEO. And what would you do differently? What, 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 how would you combine these two together? Are you going to focus on one and then forget about the other? And what's, what would be the percentage of technical versus soft skills here? For me, it depends on where the organization is at. So if we are at a level where I need to pay more attention and I need to do more soft skill, like go to HR, empower HR, training, um, trust, um, fairness, um, uh, fix the wages and, and work with people and, 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 and talk and all, all, do all of that, then this is what we need to do. Because we can't, like, I can't just look for outside expertise and we're losing within. So there's, there's no use in putting inside and, and there's a hole and we're losing. So we need to mend that. I need to take care of that. So it depends on the organization. It, different organizations are different. So you need to quickly be able to have a look and see where are where is your organization at? At which level, at which stage? And then you, do you need technical or do you need leadership? What do you need to fix? I've noticed that most of the HR here are, they don't have that much um, psychology, like, you know, skills. And there's a lot of psychology that's involved in HR. So I would invest heavily on that because I want them to be able to pick if we're losing somewhere, if we are, if something is happening, if there's a conflict from like HR are really good at picking that. Um, I want them also to also have the intuition of like, you know, for, like, you know, getting the right expertise, getting the right people, because that's usually done by HR. So HR is very, it's like a backbone. It's like very solid. It has to be solid. It has to be strong and solid and independent, not effective. Like usually it's like if your manager is on your side, everything goes smooth. If your manager doesn't like you, then you have a bumpy road ahead and it shouldn't be like that. They should be able to pick on that and protect and be like, no, we notice a pattern here, something is going on. And and just let people know that we know, maybe you have something, we need to work it out. We need to train you and we need to make you understand that this is not gonna be acceptable. We might have conflict, we might have differences, we might have personality differences, but it should not reflect on the work. And it should not reflect on your professional opinion. So we might be friends or not friends, but we have mutual respect and we can work together. And that's that's something very hard to achieve in our culture because we're very, either you're my friend and I like you, or you're not my friend and I don't like you, and that's the end. And I think we need to step away from that and understand that you're my friend, I might like you and work with you, and you, you're not my friend, and my, I, I still can work with you, and it's okay. It's fine, at the end of the day, it's okay. We don't have to be friends to work together. I might admire a character, like, you know, something about you. You're not my friend, but I admire this. I wanna learn the skill from you, because I really, I see that you're really good at this. So why not? This way you exchange skills. Skills that we have. Some people are very good at negotiation. Some people are very good at, and we don't even know these things. How are we gonna know if we're not gonna ask them? Because we just look at them from a very tiny window. You're technical, you stay technical, sir. Now, thank you. But maybe there's more that they can give. How do you know? If we don't open that door and, and let them know that, tell us what you what you can do, and why not? Yes, go shine. Even if they leave the organization and they go somewhere else, we'll be proud that I produced this. Like, you know, this is like you know, it's going to be sealed. 
you know, they came from our organization, so they're good. So they are the best because we only give the best. Like everybody wants to go to Harvard, everybody wants to go to MIT, because when you come out from there, they don't want to keep you for themselves. They want to let you go and be like, see, see, this is what we give you. So why not? It's, it's, a, it's a very nice thing, actually. It's a very amazing thing to be able to say that. That we, we, why not? Why not produce the best nurses, the best healthcare elite, the best physicians? Why not? I like that. And, uh, and that's embracing the concept of we want to develop others. We want to share our expertise with others. And we want to trust and empower others. Um, I think you're going to be a brilliant and wonderful CEO and I believe that you're going to be a wonderful and great CEO for a second time I'm repeating it. Um, I'm looking forward to see you on the top level and I want to tell you I enjoyed the conversation with you tonight. Um, thank you for sharing your insights on leadership and healthcare and we need leaders like you in this, in this sector. And all of these points that you have mentioned, um, hearing you uh, as specialized in leadership, you make a valid point. And many of these points are really needs immediate care, immediate actions by the leaders who are already existing in, in this field, and maybe by the new generation who are going to take the leadership positions, or the newly appointed people, uh, and knowledgeable people, expert people like yourself. Um, until the next episode, um, thank you all for listening. Stay tuned with another episode. We're going to arrange with Dr. Amal. Uh, last word. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, for me, if I can serve uh, my country and if I can serve the purpose, like why I joined the medical healthcare, um, that's, uh, that's, that's what I'm, I aspire to do. Um, even if I'm not a CEO, I don't mind. I will still work diligently from where, wherever position that I am at, uh, because my heart goes out for, like, like my heart's always with the healthcare, like, you know, because I, th I think we, we, we could do better. We could do much better. We still have a, a long way to go, but um, it's not the end, it's just the beginning, and Corona has showed us that. And, and if, we, if we manage to stand that storm, I, I, I think we're stronger than what we think. I think, like, you know, better days will come and better things will come. Um, hopefully, inshallah, for everybody. Whoever is the CEO, whoever is the uh, uh, people who are looking after um, the, uh, the national agenda or looking into uh, which way healthcare would go in, um, may all, all of you, like, you know, make the right decisions for us and uh, pick the right people. And hopefully, hopefully, we're going to survive. We're going to do better, every day better, better and better and better. That's the motto. Yes, we will. And thank you once again, Dr. Amal. Until the next episode, I uh, wish you all a wonderful day. Wherever you are in the world, stay tuned until the next episode.